Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode. Um, I hope you're all doing well. I'm doing great. I actually just went back to university to study psychology and I mean I've only been there one day but so far so good. Uh, I have to admit I'm a little bit nervous about how I'm going to be able to do everything that I am doing (laughs) you know because I am doing eating disorder recovery coaching. Um, I currently have had to put a wait list on because I can't take on more clients as I'm doing a full-time master's degree. And then additionally, you know, I have this podcast, I have two Instagram pages to run and, you know, also trying to keep up a social life. And I think one thing people don't always understand about coaching, they think, oh yeah, but coaching, that's only just like a few hours a week, right? But most of the work with coaching actually happens outside of sessions, not only for the client, but also for me as well, you know, just like practical things such as you know creating and sending invoices planning for next sessions just getting all the logistics sorted or you know sending emails talking to clients outside of sessions on whatsapp because i offer also like outside of session support it's quite a lot um but i'm loving what i'm doing so i hope that i will be able to you know keep up everything i'm doing because especially when it comes to like this podcast i really have been enjoying doing it so far and i've gotten a lot of positive feedback Uh, So I hope I will be able to continue it as I am doing my degree. And I haven't really spoken about this uh, before on social media or to really anyone except for like a few close friends and family. Um, And I'm not sure if I like want to go in great detail, but I do also unfortunately struggle with uh, chronic illness um, and it is kind of making it (laughs) things a little bit harder. My need for sleep is quite a lot higher than most people and on very bad days it can be quite difficult to get that much done (laughs) so uh, and you know I'm always such an advocate for people choosing themselves and choosing their health first so I am also taking my own advice so I will let you know that if it does become a little bit too much at once I might have to take you know just not ending the podcast but taking like a season break right because the podcast comes in seasons right so just taking a break and then doing another season when I have a little bit more time and energy but on to the metaphor of today because you know that I love metaphors right uh, so yeah, as I mentioned, I started a degree, a conversion degree master's in psychology, just because I didn't quite like what I did my bachelor degrees in. And it makes me think of this expression, right? And the expression goes, don't hold on to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. I think there is this human bias that if we spent a lot of time and energy invested into something, that kind of makes it place higher importance in our lives. And I think for some people, the eating disorder might be confused with like an investment, you know? And I see this a lot in unhealthy relationships where people stay together long overdue just because they spent so much time and energy invested into the relationship. And they're like, oh, why quit now, right? And this also leads me into today's topic. Today, I'm going to talk about something that I very rarely see spoken about. And when I was talking to my clients about this, they were actually like, whoa, wait, I don't think I've heard about this before. That's a thing. And there is this funny phenomena in my coaching, and that is that I don't know if it is some kind of spiritual thing, but it seems that very often 
a lot of my clients will go through the same, you know, problem or challenge at the same time, right? They're just, it's just like almost <laughs> epidemic where all of a sudden a lot of my clients are experiencing this phase or like this, t- this thing or this phenomena at the same time. The topic at hand is the honeymoon phase of an eating disorder and how a lot of people with eating disorders use this phase and like romanticize back to this phase and see it as a sign to stay in the eating disorder long overdue. So let me explain to you what is the honeymoon phase of an eating disorder and i just want to add like a little bit of a disclaimer it's not like every single person with an eating disorder experienced this it's just a pattern i've seen in a lot of people so if you are someone who finds this familiar then keep listening and then maybe you're someone who's like oh i haven't had that then i mean that doesn't mean that you're you don't have an eating disorder because i'm just saying this because i think a lot of people with eating disorder are constantly looking for signs that oh i didn't experience this or that that means that i'm not really sick enough and then you know they use that as a reason to stay overdue with an eating disorder which is a whole other phenomenon that i'll also talk about and also do talk about quite a lot uh, already but when we think about the eating disorder honeymoon i want us to think in parallels to an abusive relationship or not necessarily even an abusive relationship, just an unhealthy, dead relationship that is just expired. (laughs) Very often when you ask people why they're staying, you know, they might say something, you know, like the first thing I said that, you know, oh, we spend so much time and energy investing into this, you know what I said, but this like bias that if you spend a lot of time and energy into something, you place it on a higher value, you know, in the same way that, did you know that if you, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is actually cognitive bias that if you have yourself uh, like um, put together a piece of furniture, for instance, like an IKEA furniture, you tend to place higher value on it than if you didn't because you know all the work you put in. Yes, that is an actual cognitive bias in psychology. It is called the IKEA effect and it is a cognitive bias in which consumers place a disproportionately high value on products they have partially created. That was from Wikipedia, but... Then again, another reason why people stay in bad relationships for a prolonged period of time is that in the beginning of the relationship, things were great. Their partner was acting amazingly, they had so much fun, there was butterflies in the stomach and everything was just smooth sailing euphoria. They were in the honeymoon phase of a relationship. And even really bad and unhealthy relationships tend to have a honeymoon phase. The bad bits usually sneak in a little bit later. Not always, sometimes it's just bad from the beginning, right? But very often there is some form of a honeymoon phase in a relationship. And now you might wonder, how does this tie into eating disorders? And here is how it does. For a lot of people with eating disorders, they explain that in the beginning of their eating disorder, it was actually not that bad. It was euphoria. It was compliments. It was like, wow, I'm doing this new thing and I know how to do it. You know, it's a sense of accomplishment. Things were feeling good because the bad things hadn't fully kicked in yet. Of course, the bad things were there, but you were just a little bit too blinded by your own little high and being in your own little bubble to fully see it. You often hear similar things described by drug addicts, you know, where they explain that in the early phases, it was all fun and games, you know, they got the little boost, you know, the bad things hadn't fully kicked in yet, but then it later did. 
Does every person with an eating disorder experience this honeymoon phase? No. And I think also among those who do, people experience it to a very different degree. But again, it is a pattern I have seen in clients and seen in a lot of people with eating disorders. And because they had that initial high, that initial good feeling that, you know, quickly turned quite bad, then they use that as reason to stay overdue. But the truth is, it's never really going to hit the same as it did in the beginning because the honeymoon phase is over. You might have days where you get that little quick high of the eating disorder, but overall, honeymoon phase is gone. In the same way that in a very bad, unhealthy relationship, you might have a good day or a good afternoon where something gives you that little kick where you get a good feeling, right? But still, honeymoon phase is over. And I think for a lot of people with eating disorders, they try and recreate this honeymoon phase and recreate this initial high, but it's not really succeeding because it's never going to feel like it did in the beginning. You are essentially trying to recreate an experience that can only happen once. And then moving on in your eating disorder, you might have these brief moments of you know, little highs, little kicks, you know, maybe you lost some weight, maybe you went a day without eating and you get little kicks, but it's still never going to feel the same, right? And then essentially what creeps in, in the end, is more just, it starts feeling like shit, just to say it very bluntly. That's what happens in the end. It starts feeling like shit, but this shit has become very comfortable and familiar. And you know what I always say? We seek out comfort and familiarity, even if that means familiar suffering. And this is in the same way where a lot of people in unhealthy or even abusive relationships find it very difficult to let go. It's like, who am I without this, right? And an abusive partner will often try to convince you that you are nothing without me. And the eating disorder work in a very similar way and just like how you see when you go through a breakup even if it was from a bad relationship you might feel emptiness in the beginning you might miss your ex even though they were quite a dick right and the same goes with an eating disorder can you see what i'm trying to explain here (laughs) how many times have i hear people in recovery who are like yeah my eating disorder was absolutely miserable But there are days where I really romanticize about the past and I like, I miss it. But missing something doesn't mean you should take it back because people miss their shitty abusive exes all the time. Back to the honeymoon phase. I think it is important just to be aware of this phenomena because I think a lot of people aren't aware. And when you are aware, you can call it out. So instead of using these thoughts and feelings as, you know, a reflection of reality, you can say, oh, that is just eating disorder babble. It is an illusion and you're chasing a high that won't hit how you might think it would. And life being recovered is about finding, you know, your highs, so to say, from healthier things. You might feel like nothing is ever going to make you feel like your eating disorder made you feel, but that's not true. In the same way that when you hear someone in an unhealthy relationship, they might think, oh, but no one's going to make me feel like my ex did, right? It's just an illusion. 
I remember during my eating disorder, I would get such a high just from going to the grocery store. It was just like, oh, this is so thrilling, right? And now it's not like I live a dull, boring life because I don't get this this high when I go to the grocery store anymore. It's more that I find so much joy and thrill in so many other things. I find thrill in creating, I find thrill in doing nice little things for myself, you know, in spending some time with people that I love, in, you know, all of these very small things gives me joy, thrill, energy. And I know it is taboo to talk about, you know, the positive or perceived positive feelings that an eating disorder might give us, but I think it is also important because if we don't talk about it, people experience it might think that they're the only ones experiencing it and that therefore recovery is not for them. If you ask an alcoholic, do you like, you know, the sensation of having a glass of wine and drinking it and feeling how it is in your body, then they'll say yes, at least in my experience, being having been around alcoholics in my life. There is positive feelings there as well. But they're also saying, you know, that being addicted to alcohol is just absolutely ruining their lives and ruining their full potentials and they're trying very, very hard to recover. The good thing about an eating disorder is that, you know, this sensation of kicks, actually a lot of it is around, you know, just a pure biology of being undernourished. So for instance, that kick I got when I was walking in the grocery store looking at all the different types of crisp breads that my local shop was selling, that kick was not because I was just exceptionally passionate about crisp breads, right? It was because I was extremely undernourished and therefore my brain was doing everything it could to get me to eat. And what is one of the tools that our brains do that? It is by making food a lot more interesting in an attempt to make us engage with it. And therefore, as I, you know, was refeeding myself and gaining some much needed weight, I noticed that my trips to the grocery store wasn't that exciting anymore. And sometimes that was almost a bit scary, right? I'll be honest and say sometimes that was a bit like, oh, this doesn't hit the same. But it was also such a massive relief. And now what hits like how grocery shopping and looking for crisp bread does is me going into a plant shop because that's something I'm genuinely passionate about. I love going into like a plant, a shop that sells plants and going in, looking at the different plants, getting myself a new plant, that gives me so much joy and excitement. That is a lot healthier because it's not rooted in undernourishment, right? So if you are someone who thinks that you're just exceptionally interested in food and that interest just happened to coincide with restriction, it could be worth uh, maybe rethinking and maybe being a little bit aware that this could actually just be a side effect of restriction. Do you want to spend the rest of your life having, you know, perceived interests and passions that actually are not what you are interested in, right? So for instance, with food, of course, there are a lot of people who are very interested in food and cooking and they just always been, that's fine. But if your interest is rooted in literally your brain being tortured and undernourished, is that how you want to spend your life? Is that really authentic to you? Imagine like, teaching cooking to your kids because it's your big passion but actually that passion was because their parent was so starved (laughs) right that's quite what can i say it's quite morbid it's quite creepy it's quite sad 
But then imagine you are baking in the kitchen with your current or future kids or grandkids or niece or nephew whatsoever, and you're finding joy in it just because, you know, it's a fun activity to do. That is a different, that is a nice, positive, you know, connection. And how do you know the difference between like an eating disorder interest or a real interest? I would say anxiety is a good indicator, right? If you find that there is, you know, you're just obsessed with baking and that just happened to coincide with undernourishment, but you're also really anxious when you're baking in terms that you might feel uncomfortable by the thought of eating what you made or eating, you know, more than one croissant when you bake croissants, right? Or you might just feel really obsessed and rigid around it. That's quite an indicator that I might not be that healthy of an interest. And really, the only way to find out is by recovering, right? Going all in, giving full recovery go and finding out who you are and also creating your new self. And please don't confuse that slight initial, you know, emptiness and like, oh my God, what am I without my eating disorder as a sign that you should go backwards? Imagine you had a friend that was coming out of an unhealthy relationship and your friend was like, I don't know, I just feel so, you know, who am I without this relationship that I spend so much time in? I mean, it was awful, but like, who am I? Can someone ever make me feel like my partner did again? But it was so good in the beginning. I don't know, like, what what do I do now? Would you then tell your friend, oh no, I think this sounds like you should just go back to your ex. No, you would not tell them that. And the same goes for eating disorder recovery, okay? Just because there was a honeymoon phase does not mean that you should go back because the honeymoon phase is over. It's never gonna hit the same. It's time to let go of the chapter and instead embrace what it taught you, but it's time to let go. It served its purpose. It's over now. It's done, okay? Don't hold on to a mistake because you spent a lot of time making it. And now to today's listener question. So this was actually from an Instagram follower over at Let's Recover. And the question is how to deal with irrational eating disorder thoughts, like, for instance, breathing in calories, like these completely irrational eating disorder thoughts. And these thoughts are actually more common than you might realize. Like, I also had thoughts (laughs) when I was sick that was just so beyond, (laughs) you know, beyond reality, just pure delusions. And I can laugh about it now. But it was very, very real in the moment. I have people say they're scared of breathing in calories. They're scared of their food being, you know, poisoned at a restaurant, given the wrong soda. I'm scared of body lotion soaking in or all of these absolutely insane things. And my approach to them are probably a little bit different, I think, than some you know, therapist or coaches approach them. My approach is to see these thoughts as a side effect of being severely undernourished rather than going too deeply into them. What I see again and again and again and what I also personally experience was that with proper recovery and refeeding, 
these thoughts went away by themselves. Doesn't happen overnight and the thoughts might come back as a little ghost sometimes to haunt you, but overall they fade when you are no longer renourished. And I think this is important because I think a lot of people, especially if they have, for instance, a therapist that is not properly informed in eating disorders, they might waste a lot of very valuable and you know expensive therapy time overanalyzing these things feeling like they need to solve that before they can recover you know like i need to solve my fear of breathing in calories before i can recover i don't think that's the case i think you need to focus on refeeding and it's a difficult one uh, because with a lot of other you know delusional thoughts the the you know treatment is more towards analyzing these thoughts and realizing that they're not in root with reality and then you know really going into it that way um, but with eating disorders because the thought is so often I would say pretty much always a side effect of undernourishment itself and the extreme rigidity it causes I actually think that spending too much time and energy really really like working on that specific thought is a bit of a waste you need to instead spend that time and energy refeeding resting recovering I had full-blown eating disorder-induced obsessive-compulsive disorder uh, during my eating disorder, right? And we're not just talking around food. It just went in all all sorts of area in my life. I had it around like specific numbers. I could only do things in like even numbers, like two, four, six, eight. I, I can't really explain what happened, uh, but I just know that it did go away with recovery. A good way to deal with these thoughts is to kind of see it as almost like how you would with like an annoying mosquito buzzing in the background. Like it's just there, right? Just think of it as background noise, as buzzing, and it's just there. And it's a clear indicator that you need to take recovery seriously. Are you eating enough? No, really, are you eating enough? And if you're eating enough, are you resting? Are you gaining? Are you doing the things necessary for you in recovery? Because these thoughts are for me as a coach. If someone comes to me and have these thoughts, I actually note that down as a signal of undernourishment. And I think that when you know why these thoughts are occurring, when you know that, you know, this is actually rooted in undernourishment, then it can also be easier to kind of treat it as background noise. And it also takes off the pressure feeling like you need to solve that to recover because you don't. Recovery solves it. I still have not heard of a person who has fully recovered from an eating disorder and still had obsessive thoughts about, you know, am I breathing in calories or am I going to get, you know, poisoned by calories added to my food whatsoever, all of these things. Have not heard it. Can you still have obsessive compulsive disorder and intrusive thoughts after recovery? Of course, but those would be unrelated to the eating disorder, right? So focus on recovery and refeeding. Note this down as a symptom of undernourishment. Don't pay too much attention to it. Don't feel like you need to solve it. Treat it like a buzzing, annoying background noise that you really want to get rid of, but you know that the way to get rid of it is by going all in in recovery. So in short, that little annoying mosquito background noise that's like buzzing around, you get that mosquito, you snap it, and you do that by recovering. I hope this was helpful and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I will see you guys again next week.
Have a lovely day and week ahead wherever you are in the world. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a rating, share it on Instagram, tell your friends, you know, not only does that help me as a creator, but also if that, you know, has, if the podcast has helped you, then chances are it could also help someone else. So spread the word. Of course, you know, it's very nice for me to know that, you know, all the work I put in is enjoyed and appreciated by others. So yeah, don't be shy. (laughs) Okay, guys, I will see you next week.